Welcome to the Games for the Throne podcast, a podcast about the HBO series Game of Thrones. I'm your host, Courtney, aka Mother of Dragons. Welcome to this episode of Games for the Throne. I'm going to be recapping episode 705 called Eastwatch. Um, and every episode has just been a delight this season. Um, we get more and more information with each episode. Things are happening faster. I know some people are iffy about the pace um, and the timeline of how when people are getting places. But just keep in mind that we're not seeing the slowness that was the first few seasons um, we're at the end, we're at the, or we're getting to the penultimate, you know, it's the penultimate season. Um, so we're getting very close. There's all kinds of chaos. There's all kinds of friction and we're not seeing these long drawn out plot lines anymore. Um, so let's say, you know, in this instance, John go in this episode, John goes from Dragonstone to Eastwatch. Um, a, remember that he's taking a boat. He is not going the King's Road, which would take like over a month for him to get from, um, or more maybe from Dragonstone to Eastwatch by the Sea. Um, but they took a boat from Winterfell to Dragonstone. They're taking a boat from Dragonstone back to, uh, or to Eastwatch. Um, so much faster. And B, the time is accounted for. It's not like we're supposed to think that they made it there in two days. We're just not seeing every little bit of them on a ship or on horseback talking about whatever. We are seeing action. So I just kind of wanted to go over that and, you know, remind the viewers of that before I get into this episode. So um, we get our question answered very quickly about Jamie's fate. Um, as of last week, when he was in that river, um, going to the depths, the bottom, with all of that armor and that damn golden hand. Uh, but Braun once again, saves the day. He's grabbed Jamie. He's gotten him to shore. I don't know how. I mean, I know that you're semi-weightless in water, but uh, armor and a golden hand is still heavy as shit, so... I don't understand how he did it, but I'm going to go with it. So Jamie is still alive. Braun is okay. Braun wasn't barbecued. Jamie didn't drown. Um, <clears throat> Jamie tells Braun that, you know, he could have killed him <laughs> by knocking him in the water. And Bran just, Braun is just like, what the fuck were you doing back there? Um, Braun, he said, did you see the dragon? And he calls him a cunt and he says that until Jamie gives him what he's owed, that the only person that can kill Jamie is himself. So until he gets his castle and his wife and his whatnot and all of his other titles, you can't die. Um, Jamie comments how that was only one of the dragons and that Danny has two more. And uh, Bronn says, yeah, you're fucked because uh, I'm not going to be around when they come to King's Landing. And Jamie says that he has to tell Cersei. Um, Bronn says, well, you may as well jump back in the river on that one because that's not going to be an easy conversation. But Jamie's really seeing that, um, you know, if Danny has to use her dragons, um, you know, she will. And look at the destruction that Drogon did by himself. So dragons can cause a lot of destruction. And... Yeah, I think Cersei's fucked too. I don't think she'll think she's fucked, but she is. Um, 
Tyrion's walking around the battlefield. The Dothraki are picking things off of the soldiers. All soldiers do that, so I'm not going to get onto them for that. Um, the men who are still alive of the Lannister army are being rounded up. And we see this, I'm sorry, it was just a beautiful scene to me. We see this lovely background sun. Drogon is like lying on this hill. Um, Danny's in front of him. And it's just a really gorgeous shot. They did really well. They've done really well with the CGI every episode with the dragons. But um, that was just a really beautiful scene to me. And um, the men have all been gathered. And Danny tells them that she knows what Cersei has told them um, about her, you know, being the Mad King's daughter. And how she's going to have her dragons kill everybody. And um, she says, that's Cersei, not me. Um... Cersei only want, I only want to destroy the wheel that, um, has created the Cerseys of the world. So she wants to give them a stable ruler who is giving them peace and prosperity and not these wars that have gone on for the past few years with all of these different kings proclaiming to be kings. She gives the men a choice. She asks them to, uh, join her and bend the knee and make the world a better place or they can refuse and die. And a couple of men go ahead and bow down, um, like just a few, not a whole lot, not a majority. And when the others don't, Drogon kind of looks at them and he roars. Um, of course, Randall Tarly is still standing. He's not going to give up. And uh, his poor son, Dickon, uh, poor Tom Hopper, that got to be in like two episodes of this season of Game of Thrones. Um, not sure why they had to recast Dickon, but I love Tom Hopper. Uh, Maybe the other guy couldn't do it. I just didn't understand that for this little bit of screen time. But um, he stands with his father. So she asks them to come forward. And uh, he says that she's not his queen. And Tyrion says, yeah, Marjorie was your queen. And my sister killed her. And yet you joined with my sister. And you fought against your own liege lord that you've been following for years. But uh, Randall Tarly says, well, Cersei grew up in Westeros and um, she's not this foreign ruler um, with savages for an army and Tyrion's no good because he killed his father and whoever else he was supposed to kill, I guess Joffrey too. Um, so, you know, he's horrible. And Danny intercedes. She says, you know, I understand that you won't trade your honor for your life. Um, she gets that. And Tyrion suggests that um, Tarly, Lord Tarly be sent to the Night's Watch, which is kind of hilarious because he sent Sam to the Night's Watch. You know, Sam was his, was the heir to Horn Hill. Sam is older than Dickon. And um, because he is the way he is and that he likes to read and know things, that he's a very gentle person and Lord Tarly's a very hard person. He basically gave Sam the ultimatum that you can go to the wall, join the Night's Watch, or we're going to go hunting and you're not going to come back. You're going to be dead. So he basically threatened to kill his son. Um, so that's why Sam ended up in, at the wall, for those of you that don't remember. So it's really funny that that's what he did to Sam and that's what Tyrion is suggesting that um, happens to him. And I was kind of really hoping that that would come true, but... Um, Lord Randall says, well, you can't send me to the wall because you're not my queen. 
So the Dothraki grab Lord Tarly, um, Dickens steps forward, and he says that he won't bend the knee either. He stands with his father. His father tries to hush him up, and then um, he leaves him alone. Um, Tyrion is trying to talk sense into them, telling them, you know, please bend the knee. Um, other great families have already been destroyed. We don't need to destroy another one. And uh, he pleads with Danny, but she says, well, I've given the men a choice. And Tyrion says, well, you know, you can't just start beheading heads of families. And she says, well, I'm not beheading them. Uh, and Tyrion looks at Drogon. And so um, Lord Tarly and Dickon are, they kneel down and Danny says, uh, she sentences them to die. And then she says the famous word, Dracaras. And Drogon burns them alive in front of the other men. And I mean, to a crisp. So, uh, except for Sam, the Tarly household name is gone. Um, so what does this mean for Sam? Because, uh, well, he did join the Night's Watch. Uh, does that matter anymore? Because technically he is the heir to Horn Hill. Though he doesn't know it. Um, so the rest of them in bow. <laughs> kind of got some mixed emotions about that because I'm totally pro Danny, definitely over Cersei, but, um, you know, seeing people burned alive, especially people who, uh, don't necessarily have a choice in who they follow, um, is a little rough. So, uh, Jamie gets back to King's Landing. He goes to Cersei immediately. And she asks how many men they've lost. And he says he's not sure yet. But she says, well, we'll just buy mercenaries. You know, no big deal. So, you know, typical Cersei. She doesn't care about anybody. I think Danny at least mostly cares about the people she kills. Um, even her enemies. Even if she has come to the decision that they are her enemies. And that's what she has to do. Uh, but Jamie says, well, the Dothraki will beat any army that we could get. Um, it was just sport to them. She, he says the um, scorpion, which is that weapon that Kyburn built, couldn't stop the dragon. And Danny has two more dragons. So he doesn't think it's a war that they can win. And she just says, well, what would you have me do? Sue for peace? Um, they sit on the throne of Danny's father and Jamie killed her father. So do they really think or does he really think that if they go and say, okay, we'll surrender, we'll give up that Danny's just going to let them live. Uh, so Cersei says, well, maybe Tyrion can intercede on our behalf. Uh, that's the least he can do for murdering our father and our son. And Jamie says, well, that's not completely accurate. Uh, and he tells her that Tyrion did not kill Joffrey, that he had nothing to do with it, that Elena confessed before she died. And of course, Cersei doesn't believe it. She says, you know, oh, whatever. You know, she's just making that up to try to get us back. And Jamie says, well, you know, think about it, because if you were Elena, which son would you have preferred that Marjorie married, Tommen or Joffrey? Tommen she could control. So Cersei finally realizes that Lady Elena is the one that killed Joffrey, and she said that she shouldn't have listened to Jamie. She should have made Elena's death horrible. So, you know, always worrying about something that's already done and over with, and she got her revenge, but whatever. Bitter woman. So Cersei says they have two choices. They can fight and die or submit and die. So she knows her choices and a soldier should know his. Uh, then we go to Dragonstone. John's standing on this cliff. 
and he sees Danny coming, uh, flying in with Drogon, and uh, Drogon lands right in front of him. And I wasn't sure if Danny did this on purpose or not, but um, it seemed like she was a little surprised by Drogon's reaction, as we all possibly were. Um, but Drogon lands, and he kind of walks up to John. John kind of looks a little nervous. What do I do? And then it's like he just decides that he's going to stand there and look at this magnificent creature. And um, he puts his hand up like you would with a dog or an animal, you know. Um, and Drogon actually puts his nose up there and lets John um, pet him. And Drogon is just completely calm. Danny's kind of like, okay, this is unusual. It's like the first person that's touched her dragons ever besides her. Um, I mean, you know, the Dothraki and the Unsullied feed the dragons. I'm sure they just throw some goats or sheep or whatever in a certain area and uh, tuck tail and run because that's what I would do. Um, so I don't think anybody has had such a strong interaction with the dragons and especially for it to be Drogon, who's basically the leader of these other two dragons. Um, I was kind of hoping, obviously we all know that Drogon is um, okay with John because he is Rhaegar Targaryen's son. Um, of course, Danny does not know this. I'm going to assume that she takes it for now as, hmm, okay, maybe he's a trustworthy person. She's already growing um, to like him. Maybe he's a trustworthy person since my dragons like him. You know, that's just another uh, positive or pro for, for Jon Snow. Um, Danny gets down, Drogon flies away. And uh, Danny says they're beautiful, but John says that um, he kind of thought of another word, that they're terrifying and beautiful beasts. But she says that she doesn't really see them as beasts because no matter how big and strong they are, they're her children. Um, then he remarks that she wasn't gone that long. I wanted to say, yeah, it doesn't take that long to burn people with dragons. Uh, but she says, well, I have fewer enemies today than I did yesterday. Um and she says, well, you're not sure how you feel about that, are you? And he says, no, he's not. Um, so she asks him, well, how many men died when you took back Winterfell? And he says, well, thousands. And she says, well, you know, in order to help people, we're, we have to come from a position of strength, which I understand and I agree with, especially, like I said um, in previous podcasts, the way that Cersei has gotten rid of half of her army and all of her Westerosi army. Um, it was time that Danny really did something. She asks him uh, also about Sir Davis's comment, uh, comment about um, him taking a knife to the heart for his people, and he shrugs it off. He says, "Ah, oh, Sir Davis just gets carried away." And Danny asks if it was a figure of speech, and John doesn't really answer her. Uh, because, of course, then some Dothraki come up and they say that somebody is there saying that he's a friend to the queen and it is Ser Jorah. He has made it from the Citadel to Dragonstone um, and back to his queen. And she's extremely happy to see him. You know, he's been with her. I think now he's the only one that's been with her since the very beginning. And, um, you know, she was already betrayed by him. Um and she knows that he'll do anything for her, even after that betrayal, um, because he did grow to love her. Um, but he saved her life multiple times. So 
I think she's really happy to see somebody that's very familiar while she has Tyrion um, and she trusts him to a certain point. There's really nobody else that she's as close to. So um, she introduces him to Jon Snow. And of course, Jon says, yeah, I served with your father. He was a great man. Um, and Jorah says, well, I'm here to return to the Queen's service um, if you'll have me. And uh, she says it would be her honor. So she hugs him and uh, John looks at the hug and Jorah kind of funny because I think he's like, okay, what's the relationship between these people? Um, then we go to uh, the north and all of these crows are flying from Winterfell. Uh, Bran is controlling them. And they're flying over the wall. They're looking for the Night King, I would imagine, um, and his army. And they finally reach the army of the dead. But when the Night King looks at the um, crows or the ravens, whatever they're supposed to be, they disperse and Bran snapped out of his trance. Uh, so he tells the maester that they need to send ravens immediately. Um, so I'm sure he's sending a raven to John at Dragonstone. Then we go to the Citadel, and um, they've received the note from the maester at Winterfell. Cannot remember his name. I've got to learn his name. Um, they don't believe it, of course. All of these old maesters and archmaesters are sitting around, blah, 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 blah. That's all they do. Um, and they mention Bran and his visions, and of course they think he's crazy. But Sam says, well, I met him. I believe him. I helped him get north of the wall. Um, and he says, you know, Bran is a remarkable person. Um, he survived north of the wall when other men couldn't, and he's a cripple. So perhaps they should listen to him. And Archmaester Marwyn says, well, you know, give us some more detail. So Sam goes on. He says, um, you know, the people in Westeros trust the maesters to know what's best. And if they would just tell their people what is happening, people would believe them. And Archmaester Marwyn says, well, it is possible, or it could just be a trick from the Dragon Queen, um, you know, to get us to leave and go north. But Sam says, I've seen it, and it's real. I've seen the White Walkers. And the Archmaester says, well, I'll write to the Maester at Winterfell and get more details, because, you know, we got all the time in the world now. I mean, it's not like the Night King is like five minutes away from freaking wreaking havoc on um, Westeros. But, um, again, it's all about, no offense to the older people, but the older people and the old way of doing things and how that's just not working anymore. Sam leaves the room and one of the other maesters asks if he is the person um, whose father and brother were burnt alive by Danny and her dragon. Um, and Archmaester Marwyn says, yeah, but he doesn't know how to tell Sam. So Sam does not know anything yet. Then uh, we go back to Dragonstone and Varys and Tyrion are discussing what to do about the situation that occurred and how to move forward. Um, Tyrion kind of seems like he's trying to convince himself a little bit um, because, you know, he says, you know, Danny's not her father. Um, you know, she's not evil. And um, Varys said that, you know, he used to... Um, feel the same way with Danny's father because he would try to find peace by just reminding himself that he wasn't the one that was killing people. You know, he tried to dissuade the Mad King. He tried to do this. He tried to do that. 
But in the end, there was nothing that he could do. So um, he tried to tell himself that it didn't matter, um, that it wasn't, you know, something against himself. And really it was because he stood around uh, while the Mad King killed a bunch of people. And Tyrion says, Daenerys isn't her father. Um, and Varys says, well, she never will be with the right council. And then Tyrion notices this scroll that Varys has. And he asks who it's for. And Varys says, well, it's for Jon. Um, and Tyrion says, well, did you read it? And Varys says, it's a sealed letter to the king in the north. And that's kind of all he says. And Tyrion says, well, what does it say? Because, of course, you know, we all know Varys read it. Uh, I don't know how he got the seal back and all that, but you know, whatever. Uh, and Varys says nothing good. Um, so John gets the letter and he's in the room of the um, painted carved table uh, with Danny and everybody. And he says, you know, that he thought that Arya and Bran were dead. And Danny says that she's really happy for him, but that he doesn't look happy um, that his siblings are alive. And he says, well, the bad news is Bran saw the Night King and his army is almost to each East Watch, um, which is one of the only three castles that is still manned by the wall. Um, I do believe it's the closest to the North. I think Castle Black's in the middle, possibly. I can't remember for sure. Um, so the Night King is very close and John says, I need to go home. Um, and Danny says, well, you don't have enough men. And he says, well, I'll just have to fight with what I have unless you'll join me. And of course she says, you know, I can't just give up the lower half of the country to Cersei. So Tyrion says, well, there's another way. Um, you know, Cersei thinks that the army of the dead is just a story. She doesn't believe it at all. So they can prove her wrong. Um, so Tyrion wants to bring the dead to her. Uh, they just need to find one White Walker that they can bring to show her. So Tyrion wants Jon to bring one of the White Walkers back to show Cersei so they can um, have a truce until this problem is dealt with for basically the, um, the battle of mankind. Uh, Tyrion says that Jamie, or Cersei only listens to Jamie and that Jamie may listen to him. So he wants to go to sneak into King's Landing and talk to Jamie. Danny asks, you know, how in the world would um, we get into King's Landing? And Sir Davos says, well, um, he can smuggle Tyrion in, but he can't protect him because he's not a soldier. So um, Tyrion's going to go to King's Landing, talk to Jamie. Sir Jorah says he's going to go north with John and help um, him capture a White Walker. And, um, Danny looks at Jorah because, you know, he just got back to her, but she, he says that, um, he's there to serve her and he's, he's going to help John. And that's the way he can help Danny. So he's going to help John. Um, John says that the wildlings will, or the free folk will follow him to catch one, uh, because of course, Tormund and the wildlings are at East Watch. Um, Sir Davu says, well, I can't go north of the wall. Um, or I'm sorry, he says that John can't go north of the wall because he's the king of the north now. Um, he's important. He can't be going and doing these things. It's too risky. And John says, you know, I'm the only one who's ever fought one of these guys. I know them. You guys don't. I'm going to need to go. 
And Danny says, well, she hasn't given him permission to leave, but he says, well, with respect, I don't really need your permission because I'm a king. Um, he says, you know, I put trust in you coming here and now I need you to trust me because it's our best chance. So Danny is going to let him um, go north of the wall or let him leave Dragonstone and go north of the wall. Um, then we go to Winterfell and Arya walks in on Sansa. She's in the Great Hall. All of the lords are there. Um, they're kind of talking bad about John. They're saying that they should have chosen Sansa instead to be their leader. And she's kind of just there listening to it. And she says, well, you're kind, but John is doing what is best. And she walks out of the Great Hall. She sees Arya and she tells her that she told John this would happen um, if he left. And then um, she says, you know, I can't just sit around or we can't just sit around and wait on him like ghosts can. So the first mention of ghosts in season seven, which is funny because I actually just put something on social media like on Saturday and was like, how come we have not seen ghosts since like halfway through season six? I mean, like, seriously, I know it's more CGI work and whatnot, but come on, where is he? Um Arya notices that Sansa is living in their parents' chambers, and she's a little wary of Sansa still. She says, you know, you always liked nice things because it made you feel better than everybody else. Um, and Arya, uh, Sansa asks her what's going on, and Arya's just like, nothing, it's fine. And Sansa says, you know, don't do that. If you got a problem, tell me. And Arya's upset because she let the men talk bad about John, and she didn't really defend him to the extent that Arya would have and Sansa says well I have to keep these men happy um because we don't want them to leave and Arya says well if you start beheading them if they you know say they're gonna leave then they won't and Sansa says you know that's we can't do things that way um and Arya knows that Sansa wants them to like her in case John doesn't come back and Sansa asks you know how can you think such a horrible thing and Arya says, well, you know, you're thinking it right now, even though you don't want to be, you are. And uh, Sansa just says, you know, I don't have time to deal with this. I have work to do. So there's still a lot of mistrust between these sisters, which is understandable. Like they've been back together for a few days or weeks. Um, you know, neither of them know each other. They just know who they used to be. Um... So Sir Davos takes Tyrion to King's Landing, and uh, while Tyrion's sneaking in to see Jaime, Sir Davos says that he has his own business to take care of. Um, and then we see Bronn, he takes Jaime down to the inner depths of the castle where the, all the dragon skulls are at, and uh, Jaime thinks that they're going down there to train. Uh, but Jamie says, well, you know, it's a waste of time. We have battles to prepare for and uh, we need to prepare to fight the Dothraki. And Bronn's like, yeah, you can only use your left hand, which is not your sword hand. So you need to train. Um, and of course, they um, it's really just a ploy to get him to meet with Tyrion. So Bronn's like, yeah, I'm going to leave you guys to it. I'll see you later. And uh, Tyrion says that he had to trick Jamie because he knew that he wouldn't agree to meet him um, otherwise. And uh, Tyrion says, you know, you made me look like a fool at Casterly Rock. I, I thought that you would protect the, the family home, but 
you know, you lived up to father and his, um, what he would have wanted, no sentiment. You just left it there and yeah, you did what you did. So thanks for that. And Jamie says, you know, I swore the next time I saw you that I would cut you in half. Uh, but luckily for Tyrion, Jamie only has a sparring sword, which I'm sure Bran did on purpose as well. Tyrion says, well, you know, our father was going to kill me, not because of anything I did, not because he thought I killed Joffrey, but because of what I am, a little monster sent to torture him. So Jamie's not interested in reminiscing about anything. He says, you know, what do you want? And Tyrion says, well, Danny is going to win the war. She's not her father. Um, and she'll suspend the war if Cersei is willing to do certain things. And Jamie says, well, if Tyrion wants Cersei to bend the knee, then he can ask her himself. And he says, that's not what I'm asking, at least not right now. We know that's not going to happen. There's a more important request. So Sir Davos is in Flea Bottom and um, he goes to this blacksmith's armory. Um, and of course, there is a smith making blades. And who else is it but Gendry? Um, and it's really funny because... Uh, Sir Davos says, yeah, I wasn't sure if you'd be here. I thought you might still be rowing out in the ocean. Because, of course, we've all been wondering for, like, the past three seasons where Gendry is. Um, and the running joke has been that he's still rowing. Um, so he said, you know, you had a good plan, Davos. Hide in plain sight. The queen would never think that I'm here. Um, and Davos says, well, I'm here to get you. Um, bad things are coming. And, um, he says that he's taking him to fight and Gendry's ready to go. Davos says, well, you might want to bring a sword. And Gendry says, you know, I got a better weapon. And he grabs this humongous war hammer, which of course was what his father, this isn't the same one, obviously. Um, but his father, Robert Baratheon was famous for using his war hammer. That's how he killed Rhaegar Targaryen. That was his weapon of choice. So a nice little nod there. Um, Davos tells Gendry, you know, keep your father's name to yourself. The situation is sticky. Um, you know, we don't know who to trust right now and where we're going. It may not be a good thing for you to say you're Robert Baratheon's son. Um, they get back to the boat that, um, Sir Davos and Tyrion came in on and there are some guards walk up, unfortunately. So Sir Davos bribes them. Uh, they want this insane amount, but he gives it to them and they ask what's in the boat. Um, and Sir Davos says, well, it's not more gold. They want to know if it's wine. Sir Davos tells them to look and it's fermented crab, which he tells them is supposed to make men be virile that, um, he trades it with the brothels because, um, you know, it does what it's supposed to do for men so they can stay there longer and spend more money. Um, and he tells them to have a taste. So they eat some. They're about to go on their merry way. But right then, Tyrion comes down. And the men, of course, notice him. Um, Davos tries to give them some more money. And um, they just, they know that something's up with Tyrion because they were asked a while ago to find a dwarf with um, a scar on his face like Tyrion has. So they just, they don't know who he is, but they know that at some point in time he was wanted by the crown. Um, so 
like I said, Sir Davish tries to bribe them some more, but Gendry takes hold of the situation. He uses his hammer and he bashes their heads in. And Davos uh, introduces Gendry to Tyrion, and Tyrion's like, okay, good. I'm fine with him coming along. Um, of course, Tyrion doesn't know who he is right now. Um, Jamie goes to visit Cersei, and he walks in on her and Kyburn with this little hushed talking. And I was worried that it was going to be this certain thing that we'll get to in a minute. Um, but Kyburn leaves. And Jamie wants to know why he was there. Of course, Cersei doesn't tell him anything. Um, and Jamie says, look, I just met with Tyrion. And we don't know how Cersei's going to react, even though she actually wanted Jamie to talk to Tyrion earlier. Uh, but she asks what he had to say. And Jamie says, well, Daenerys Targaryen wants to meet and discuss an armistice because an army of the dead is marching on the Seven Kingdoms and that Tyrion has promised that they're going to bring proof. So Cersei kind of laughs at that. She says, well, are you going to be punishing Bronn? And Jamie's like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And she's like, you know, I know Bronn set this up. I knew about the meeting. Nothing happens in this, in this town without me knowing. And uh, Cersei says that she actually thought about meeting with Danny, um, because and that they're going to have to be very clever in fighting her. Uh, they're going to have to be like their father uh, would have. They're going to have to do what he would have and think like him. And they have to protect their new child uh, because she's pregnant, which is complete and utter bullshit. I'm calling this. I'm telling you, A, if she's actually pregnant, then Jamie needs to call in Maury Povich and there needs to be a paternity pet test because I do not think it's Jamie's. But more importantly, I don't think she's pregnant. I think she knows that Tyrion has a, I mean, Jamie has a soft spot for Tyrion. Jamie is, does not believe that they can win this war. And Jamie doesn't really understand why they're fighting so hard when it's just the two of them. And there's nothing, there's not a whole lot left for them to fight for. So she has come up with this to get him motivated because, you know, he talked earlier about them not having any children. And she knows that that is a way to get to him because that he is going to be more concerned about his child than he is about whatever else. Uh, so she is completely lying. I'm sorry. I just don't believe it at all. Uh, I'll be extremely surprised if I am wrong. Uh, but I definitely think she's, she's lying. And then she, um, she, he asks, well, you know, who, who are you going to tell everyone is the father? And she says, well, I'm just going to tell him it's you because this is a new day. So we're doing what we want to do. And Jamie says, well, people aren't going to like that. Um, and she just tells him she doesn't care and she hugs him. And then she says, now never betray me again. And uh, she gets this very stern look on her face and Jamie looks a little scared. Um, so I'm sure he's going to believe her, but I'm still going to say it. I'm sorry. I hate her. She's lying, 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 lying. She is not pregnant. So Sir Davos, um, you know, he told Gendry again and again, don't say who you are. Just say you're a smith. You're on your way to Winterfell. We're just going to get in out really quickly. Um, they go to see John down in the cave where the dragon glass is. And, uh, Sir Davos goes to introduce Gendry and he just says, hi, I'm Gendry. I'm Robert Baratheon's bastard son. 
So Davos looks at John. He says, yeah, he was meant that to keep that to himself. Uh, but Gendry says, well, you know, our fathers trusted each other. They were best friends. So we should. And uh, so John kind of jokes and he's like, yeah, I met your father once. Uh, you're a lot leaner than he was. And Gendry says, yeah, I met your father once and you're a lot shorter. Um, so Gendry says, you know, I'm here. I'm going to go with you to fight the White Walkers. Sir Davis has told me about your plan. I'm in. And uh, Gendry likes John's sword, but he says that he prefers uh, a hammer. And he shows John his war hammer. Tyrion goes and he visits Jorah before Jorah leaves. He tells him that he's really missed him. Um, he gives Jorah this coin that... Um, the slaver that bought them gave them and he tells Jorah, you know, bring this back uh, because the queen needs you. Um, and he's able to temper her moods, which I think is true. Um, I think that he more than anybody is somebody that she trusts and um, somebody that when she is um, impulsive and wants to act quickly, he can kind of talk her down. John says goodbye to Danny. Uh, he says, you know, if you don't return or if I don't return, then you won't have to deal with the king of the north anymore. Uh, but she says, well, you know, I've grown used to him. Um, so he wishes her good fortune and the wars to come. Uh, and then we go to the Citadel. We see Sam. He is copying this history by the Archmaester uh, Maynard. Uh, and Gilly is reading some of Archmaester Maynard's journals. Uh, and then she asks about this, uh, this certain word, uh, annulment. And Sam tells her, well, you know, it's when somebody kind of severs ties uh, with their current wife or whatever, somebody that they were married to, um, and then they can marry somebody else. And Gilly says, hmm, well, this Archmaester Maynard granted an annulment to a Prince Ragar, and married uh, him to someone else in a secret service in Dorne. Of course, she means Prince Rhaegar. Uh, and of course, we all know that this is Lyanna Stark, who he was married to in secret in Dorne. Um, so Sam, of course, because he doesn't know all this backstory like we do, does not realize the significance of it. And he is just done with the maesters and the archmaesters. He's tired of recording all of this crap that doesn't matter. Like this particular Archmaester or Maester, like recorded all of his bowel movements. Uh, yeah. So, um, he's too busy wondering how men can ignore what's happening. He just can't take it anymore. So we hear this wonderful information, which means that John is legitimate. Um, of course, who knows when this is actually going to come out and anybody realizes what it actually means on the show. Um, so Sam leaves. He goes into the forbidden room in the library and he steals a bunch of books and scrolls. And uh, he looks up at the, um, oh my God, I forget what it's called, but the circle thing that's in the credits, um, like some sort of spindle thing. And he leaves the library. He looks like he feels a little guilty, but he and Gilly pack up with little Sam and they leave Old Town. And Sam says that he's tired of reading about the achievements of better men. And then we go back up to Winterfell. Arya's watching Littlefinger. Um, he catches her getting some information from a girl. 
Um, I feel like he feels like someone is there, but when he turns around, she's gone and she watches him having all these conversations with people around the castle. She catches him with, um, Lord Royce and Lord Glover. Um, and then she's still watching him. The maester, um, brings Littlefinger something. It's a copy of a letter that Maester Lewin had. Uh, and Littlefinger asks if it's the only copy and the maester says, yes. So Littlefinger says, well, Lady Stark thanks you for your service. And he takes it into his locked room and he comes back out again and he locks the door back. So Arya is trying to find out what he's up to. She breaks into the room and she's looking through all of his stuff. She cannot find the scroll, this little piece of parchment anywhere. She searches all over and finally she finds that it's hidden in his mattress and this letter is the letter that Cersei had Sansa write in season one. So, um, season one, you know, Sansa goes, she rats out her father because her father's going to leave and take them back to Winterfell. She doesn't want to go because she wants to marry Joffrey. She wants to be the queen. So she goes and tells Cersei. And at this point, that point, Cersei knows that Ned knows that Joffrey and Tommen and Marcella are Jamie's kids and not Robert's. And he said that he was going to tell Robert. Um, he's also been wounded by the fight with Jamie outside of Littlefinger's brothel. So Arya's gone missing. Uh, you know, they try to get her. Um, Sir Mayor and Trant tries to get her, ends up killing Sirio Pharrell. She runs and, uh, you know, everybody just thinks she's like a little homeless girl. So this was the letter that Cersei had Sansa write. I guess it went to Winterfell in case Arya made it there. And it was basically a letter saying that Ned Stark had died from his wounds um, of the fight with Jaime and that he had betrayed Joffrey and tried to take the throne from him. All of these lies. And it was signed Sansa. Um, so it was something to um, try to flush Arya out because they didn't know where she was. And uh, Littlefinger, I guess, wanted this because and we would definitely cause a rift between Arya and Sansa because it's a lie Sansa told. Of course, it was years ago and in a different situation. But um, still, you know, there's already some mistrust there. So Arya leaves the room and then we see Littlefinger come around the corner with his creepy little stare. So he planted that note on purpose so Arya would find it because he is trying to get in between Sansa and Arya. And I'm hoping that they'll realize it um, or that John or somebody gets back soon and can put an end to this. I really don't know what's going to happen. And John and uh, Sir Davos and Gendry um, and Jorah reach Eastwatch and, uh, they talk to Tormund. Tormund says this is a really bad idea. And, uh, then he wants to know if the big woman came. And of course she didn't. She's at Winterfell. Hopefully she can help Sansa and, uh, maybe help Arya too and get them to be closer. I don't know, do some kind of trust circle, some healing, some therapy. Uh, but Tormund says, well, you're not the only ones here that want to go beyond the wall. And that's because uh, the Hound and Beric Dondarrion and Thoros of Mir have showed up. And um, I guess Tormund put them in cells. Um, so John recognizes the Hound. He's surprised to see him there. And of course, Gendry is extremely upset when he sees Beric Dondarrion and Thoros. Um, he says not to trust him because they tried to sell him to the Red Lady to Melisandre. 
And uh, then Tormund finds out that uh, Ser Jorah is a Mormont, and more importantly, uh, Lord Commander Mormont's son. So there's some struggle there because um, of the fact that uh, Lord Commander Mormont, obviously, and his rangers killed some, a lot of wildlings. Um, but they kind of get over that pretty quickly. And uh, I think it was Beric Dondarrion said, Here we all are, at the edge of the world, at the same moment, heading in the same direction for the same reason. And he says, It doesn't matter what our reasons are, there is a greater purpose at work. And John says, you know, you're right. They're, we're all on the same side because we're all breathing. And uh, then they prepare. Uh, they open the gate and they all go out uh, north of the wall. And it's just utter chaos out there. It's just completely, you can't even see in front of you the snow so bad and the wind. Um, so the Night's King is definitely, or the Night King is very close. Um, so hopefully... It looks like they get somewhere and they find some White Walkers next week. Let's hope that they can catch one. I don't know what's going to happen if they try to take one south. Um, we'll see, maybe, if it if it works. And that's it for this episode. Um, so, I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, Cersei's totally lying about this pregnancy. How much longer is Jamie going to believe her and her lies? She is not going to... Uh, do an armistice. I wouldn't trust her at all. Um, I wouldn't trust her to take care of my worst enemy. Um, so it, Jamie's just going to keep following along. Um, I don't know what Danny's next step is. Um, except for to meet with Cersei, if that'll even happen. Um, but until they have the White Walker, I don't think that can happen. Um, hopefully... Arya and Sansa, I'm hoping Littlefinger won't get the better of them. He's already gotten too much over on the Stark family. He's caused too much of their pain and suffering. So I'm really hoping that Arya just like faceless man kills him. Um, and I guess we'll see what happens with Jon and the rest of the tag team that went out into the north. Um, because they're definitely going to run into some White Walkers. So let's hope that they can take them on. Um, so we have two more episodes left next week is uh, the penultimate episode. Uh, and then of course we have the season finale, which I believe is going to be like an hour and a half. Uh, and then we may have to wait until 2019 for the next episode. Um, I'm hoping it won't take that long, but considering how much they have to film, even for just six episodes, which I think most of those are going to be longer than an hour. Um, and considering how much CGI and post-production they have to do, if we have to wait, we have to wait. Uh, we want it to be good. You know, we don't want it quick. We want it good. Obviously, us book readers have been waiting for like six, seven years for book six. We still don't have it. May never get it. So we know about waiting. Um, so that's it for this episode. Um, if you can, go on iTunes and give me a review or like me. Give me some feedback. I'd love to hear back from you guys. Uh, constructive criticism if you can understand if that's not your thing but um, would love to get some reviews and know how I'm doing uh, so I'll see you next week 
have any questions, comments, crazy theories, um, you can email me at gamesforthethrone at gmail.com. You can also check me out at um, Games for the Throne on Facebook. And it's at Games for the Throne on Twitter, but the four is the number four. And then I'm also Games for the Throne on um, Instagram. And you can check out my podcast if you're not. Well, if you want to check it out somewhere else, obviously, instead of on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, but I also have a blog. Um, I blog about a lot of different stuff to do with Game of the Thrones. And um, it's called, the website is 3cstudio.net uh, slash game, games for the throne. So um, lots of cool, neat stuff there. I'd love to hear from you guys. I hope I'm doing a good job. I hope I'm interesting. Um, So thanks for listening to my podcast and I will see you next week. 